This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Open up your Bibles to Philemon. That's a little one-chapter book right before the book of Hebrews. Amen. Philemon. And I'll I'll tell you what, we we are raising up a family of believers that have no fear of the devil. That have no fear of cancer. That have no fear of lack financially, even if they lose their jobs. That have no fear. Because God did not give you the spirit of fear. But of power and love and a sound mind. We do not have a church full of people that are losing their minds. Have a sound mind. We don't have a church full of people that are confused and befuddled and never know what to do. We have a church full of people that know exactly what they're going to do because they have the wisdom of God and the greater ones in them. Philemon, I usually normally just do verse 6, but I want to read from verse 3 down to verse 6 because this is all a part of the flow. And Paul started off, as far as I could tell, all of his epistles and ended them with words like this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I see that grace there, something we've got to know that's the will of God for every born-again believer is the grace of God. And grace, there's different words in the Bible that, that, that talk about different types of grace. Matter of fact, Peter called it the manifold grace of God, many different facets of the grace of God. But the ones that I always think about for my life, number one, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, it says that for, for ministers, he gives us grace for our assignment, and that grace there means divine enablement. Divine enablement. And that means that God gives you the ability to do something you can't do on your own. And one of the best ways I think about that, I heard a man say years ago, uh, I know out here we've got desert tortoises, but out in Indiana we've got turtles. And, you know, there's a whole lot more turtles, I think, than desert tortoises. But anyway, anyway, how many know that turtles or tortoises can't climb? And so I heard a man say this, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know it had help getting there. That's the way God wants to look at our lives with the grace of God. He wants us to be able to get assignments from Him, no matter what they are, and be able, when people look at us, say, there's no way, there's no way Henry could have done that. And then Henry says, it's the grace of God. Looks at Dave, in the job Dave's got, the things he does, and say, there's no way that that McNeil fellow could have done that. But then they know he's a Christian. And Dave says, it's by the grace of God. God gave me the ability. God enabled me to do that. That's what Paul said, the grace of God. And then another definition of the grace of God in the Amplified Bible says, it's unmerited favor. It's unmerited favor. And I think about different things in our lives. Like, you know, especially the times we live in, sometimes the job situation is kind of rocky. And you may have been the best employee there ever was and uh, really made your company profit, but for no reason you don't have that job anymore. You lost it. It's gone. But either the company went under, they had layoffs, or they faced something out. You're not there anymore. And so the next job you find that uh, is in life what you're qualified for, but you may not have the degree that other people have got, and they've got a thousand applicants ahead of you, you start claiming the grace of God, the favor of God. And all of a sudden, God moves you to the front of the line. And you've got that job, and people said, well, how'd that happen? It was the favor of God. It was God's grace. God got me in there. And then they'll talk about all the people had the degrees, 
had had much more education, etc., etc., but the grace of God will get it done for you. And that's that's why Paul always said things like that. He said grace to you, grace. Now, there's lots of other facets of grace. That's just a couple of them, but Paul always prayed that and spoke that over the people that read his letters, and they said in peace. God wants you to have peace. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, he starts off saying that, and then he says, from God and the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I thank my God, he said, I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. He said, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. And years ago, I began to see that all the time Paul said those two things together. He said, I see your faith and your love towards Jesus, but also see it towards the saints. And I want to tell you this. If you don't love people and treat them right, especially Christians, your faith is going nowhere. Amen. Paul always, always, always talked about, I see your love and your faith towards Jesus, but also towards people too. Amen. God did not come to save trees. He made them. He loves them. He wants trees to be good. God came to save people. And God uses us to be the ones that preaches the gospel. He told us in Mark chapter 16 and in Matthew 28, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, to every person. He said, make disciples of them. And so if you do not allow the love of God through you to be patient and kind, go the extra mile and be a blessing to people, then God can't use you. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, you notice he said, make a mission of my prayers. And then he says, now here's where we're going to camp out at. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual. In other words, he said he wants your faith to be effective and to become effectual. That means to grow and become more and more effective every day. Become effectual by the acknowledging of what a jerk, what a loser, how bad you are, what an ugly sinner you are. He said to acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He said the more that you begin to acknowledge, and of course acknowledge has knowledge in it. And so you acknowledge what you know. And so I, I prayed something. Oh, bunny trail, but glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It's all part of it. In our prayer meeting that I was praying, and I prayed, Lord, I pray for the people in this church to start buying some real Bibles. Man, it's nice to have an iPhone, an iPad, or something to look at it with your, you know, your little simple thing like that. But if you'll also buy a real Bible, then when you're reading a real Bible, a paper Bible, it has pages, you're going to be seeing verses, and all of a sudden you're going to start seeing what's in front of them and what's below them, and then you're going to get a hunger for the Word of God. You're going to happen to glance over at the other page. You're going to see something jump off at you from before where you had some yellow marker in it, some red stars or something. You're going to say, oh, wow, I forgot about that. And you go back and start reading it again. And I'm not, I'm not coming down against the iPhones and iPads and all that kind of stuff. But why don't you get a real Bible, too, as you've got a real Bible that's really going to cause you to start seeing more than you've ever seen. That's going to help feed your faith. Amen? And then you read a real Bible. They've got they've got definitions your center called. You get a good study Bible. And then besides that, they got references how to go to another place and find out more on that subject. So anyway, that's my thing. I, I just think everybody ought to have a real Bible to see it. Because he said that you need to know 
So you can acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And so if you want your faith to be effective and get results, to open the door spiritually for God to change things in your life and family, you've got to stop bad-mouthing yourself. I want to say that again. You've got to stop bad-mouthing yourself. You've got to quit calling yourself a loser and saying you can't do anything right. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Can I tell you one of the goofiest things that... Uh, I don't, I don't hang around a lot of different people because I'm pretty much isolated what I do with you guys and, and, and ministry. But uh, I think one of the dumbest things there is, is I've known them before back in Indiana, preachers that make dumb jokes about themselves, about their money. Well, I'm so poor, I couldn't raise an umbrella. Well, that sure goes in line with Malachi chapter 3 that God's got the wisdom head open for not the blessing. That's sure in life, Philippians 4.19, my God supplies all of my need. Luke 6.38, I'm a giver, so it's given unto me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'll tell you what, and I think about older preachers, even some of them in this town that I know. Well, you know what? That's one of the things we have to put up with now. We're older. You know what we do? We sit around trying to figure out our medicines every morning. We just sit around, we just, we just sit about, when's our next doctor's appointment? When's the next pill due? I had to see some doctors last year, and I tell you, my confession is, in the name of Jesus, I'm never going to be in a hospital again for anything except to go pray for somebody. And I'm just going to go to my doctors for well checkups, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not getting older to get sicker and feeble. Amen. I think about the Deuteronomy. talks about Moses. The end of Moses' life said he still had all of his strength and said his eyes fell not. I think about Joshua and Caleb. They were old men, and they were still fighting battles and winning. And so in the name of Jesus, our words, our words will make us or break us. And so I'm saying it again. Just because some preachers or other believers say things they've heard they thought were cute, what they're repeating that's not like the Word of God is actually killing them. That's stealing their money. That's stealing things from them. And so don't say things just because they're cute. If they're not like the Word of God, they're not cute. They're hurting you. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so stop bad-mouthing yourself. You must renew your mind. How many are familiar? Write the verse down if you're not. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so you've got to change your way of thinking with the Word of God. So you must renew your mind to what the Bible says about you and start confessing what the Bible says over and over and over every day until it becomes real to you. Amen. You know, at, at, at the first sign of somebody getting sick and hurt or hurt in front of you, at the first sign, you shouldn't even be thinking about it. You ought to immediately lay hands on them and start praying. Amen. And if they don't want it, just say, well, praise the Lord, receive the blessing anyway, walk away. But I've done that so many times. I remember one time, there's a store called Wooko back in Indiana in the early 80s. One of my customers, there's a Baptist guy there. And we, we kind of got to talk. Every, I pretty much went there about every day, delivering some things to the store. I remember coming there one day, and, uh, man, that guy had snot coming out both barrels. You know, I mean, it was it was cold. He was snotty and stuff everywhere. I'll never forget it. I saw it happen right in front of my eyes. <laughs> you know, I said, how you doing? And, man, he's just doing the stuff like that. I didn't even think because it was second nature. I said, in the name of Jesus, receive your healing. But I saw that stuff dry up and go away. <laughs> just like that, it was gone. Hey, man. And he said, it's gone. It's gone. 
I said, it's Bible. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I said, you were the sick, I laid hands on you, and you recovered. Amen. But you know why that happened? Because I read that verse every day, every day, every day. I read uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 20, every day, every day. And I still read them all the time. And so part, it's a part of my thinking that I wouldn't think anything else. If somebody's sick, I'm going to pray. Go going to lay hands on them. Amen. Amen. And so you need to confess these things over and over every day. Now look at this verse again before I move on. He said that the communication, the communication of your faith to become effective, you've got to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You're not a loser anymore if you're born again. Murphy's Law is not a part of your life. I was raised under Murphy's Law because you know what Murphy's Law is? If anything can go wrong, it will. If they're going to have any luck, it's going to be bad luck. Well, I was raised that way, but I got bored again. I found out, wow, Murphy's Law doesn't apply to me. That's called the curse in Bible words. I'm redeemed from the curse. Hallelujah. Somebody clap or shout or something. And so I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And here is where you need to begin your confession about every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 17 to 21 needs to become, if you're a new Christian, even if you're an older Christian, you need to go back and read them. I read them all the time anyway. But especially if you're a new Christian, you need to read this out loud. How does faith come? Amen. And hearing what? The Word of God. Not just through the preacher. If you're reading it out loud, what are you doing? You're hearing the Word of God. So what's it doing? It's causing your faith to grow. And so verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5 says this. Therefore, if any man, now that doesn't mean a male, that means any human, any person be in Christ. Remember I told you about the in Christ a while ago to underline those things that that in him book will teach you that. Be in Christ. He's a new creature, new creation. Matter of fact, when this was written in the Greek, that meant a new species of being that never before existed. A new species of being. What is, what, what, what is that? Born again Christians never existed. God never lived inside of people until Jesus was raised from the dead. Then you believe in your heart, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, God raised from the dead, said you're born again. Eternal life comes into your spirit. That's Zoe. That never happened till then. There were not, there were not God inside men on this earth until Jesus. And so that's why he said a new species of being. That's what he told, told those Christians back there. He said you're a new species of being. Up until the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this species of being never walked the earth. That's who we are. You know, I've never watched one of those goofy superhero shows. Matter of fact, uh, you know, I, I get things come through my emails tell me about the shows at the drive-in, shows at the movie. And all I see is these goofy flip-flop jumping goofy people jumping flip-flop around. But you know what? It's really possible for that with believers. Think about Philip, the evangelist in the desert. All of a sudden, he was translated. He was here, and all of a sudden, he baptized that man, and he, he's up the road. God translated him. And so in the lives of Christians, these supernatural things can really happen. They're not make-believe. Amen. I think about Jesus. I was listening to Brother Copeland preach a couple days ago, and the passage in, in, in one of the Gospels really always amazed me. said that the sea was raging. Jesus was walking on the sea. And Peter walked on the sea for a few moments. Then he got afraid. 
But anyway, that's supernatural, isn't it? Pretty supernatural. But anyway, it says Jesus got in the boat and says immediately it was on the other side. God can do supernatural things to us if we really know that greater hits it as it hits in the world. Whatever needs to get done, God will cause it to happen. But it says we're a new species of being that never before existed if we're in Christ. Now, I'm not just a human being. I'm a supernatural human being because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. I've been born again to win. I'm not who I used to be. Amen. Oh, I'm not going to talk about who I used to be or who a lot of my family still is in Jesus' name they're coming out. But anyway, it says the new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. All things are of God. Now, what he's talking about there, he said, old things are passed away, all things become new. Not your hair. Unless you got some dye or something that did something to it. <laughs> Change colors, still the same old hair. But anyway, old things are passed away. He's talking about what was on the inside of you. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus told those non-born again people who could be born again, he told those religious leaders, he said, you are of your father the devil. Had Jesus never said any words lightly just to say them, when Jesus said something, he was telling truth. He was telling facts. He told these people, said, you're your father the devil. He said, the works of your father you will do. He said, your father the devil. The works of your father you'll do. He said he was a liar. He was a murderer from the beginning, and the truth's not in him. Well, non-born again people have a spiritual dad. That's not God. It's the devil. But then when you come born again, you change families. You're new creatures in Christ. you got a new father. And so that's what he said. All things have become new. And I like to say this about that verse. It's, it may sound cute if you're carnal-minded, but it's not just a cute saying. It's a Bible fact. I've got God's DNA now. I have God's divine nature, D in and ability, A. Divine nature and ability. Amen. And that's not just something, just saying something. That's what this verse says. It says, all things in us are of God. And you understand, we're spirit beings. We possess a soul, mind, will, emotions. We live in a physical body. My physical body still has the same DNA. But my spirit has different DNA now. My spirit lives forever. My body will die someday. My, do my body will go to the grave and decay, but my spirit will live on. And my spirit will go to heaven because I have God's divine nature in me. Amen. And his ability. We've got to get a hold of this. He said, all things are of God in our spirit. Why do you think that Jesus said in Mark 16, he said, lay hands on the sick in my name and they shall recover. Well, think about that. This body you're looking at right now is not me. I live in it. And the man living inside of here has God's nature. And so when I open my mouth speaking God's word, that's God's power, God's ability coming out of my mouth. When I lay my hands on the sick, there's a spirit in here full of God. And that anointing from the spirit man comes out of here, goes into the sick, and that's why they recover. It's not because I'm somebody special, but it's because I've got the revelation. I have God's divine nature and ability. I'm not afraid whether it's cancer or what's a little kid comes up here with the little owies. You know those little kids with the little owies? 
That always blesses me because I, I can lay hands on little owies that God heals them and they see how real it is that that makes them want to pray for dad and mom and grandpa and grandma and they're the people in their life they recognize that I pray for somebody in Jesus' name and God will heal owies, God will heal headaches, God will heal belly aches, God will heal grandma's cancer. God will do that. Amen? And so we have to realize how this thing works. All things are of God. We have this on the inside of us. We are supernatural beings. And, you know, that, that's supernatural laying hands on the sick. Think about this. Anybody born again or not born again can lay hands on somebody. That's just a natural action to do that. But then when the anointing and a believer comes to it, it becomes a supernatural action. Think about this. Politicians talk a lot to great crowds. That's just a natural ability. Preachers talk a lot to crowds, but it's a supernatural ability because the anointing of God gets on those words and it becomes a supernatural thing. We have to realize that we as believers live in a natural world, but we get a hold of the Word of God coming through us that everything we do becomes supernatural because God... When we, we walk in the anointing, God's put the super on our natural, and then it changes everything. Amen. Well, somebody can clap if they want to. <laughs> and so he says, we're brand new on the inside, and so you need to begin confessing. It's on that card that we got for free back there. The books teach more scripture on that. You need to begin confessing. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not who I used to be. Now, I want you to jump down to verse 21. And it says, For he, that's talking about God, hath made him, that's talking about Jesus, to become sin for us, who do no sin. Now look at this, that we might be made the righteous of God. There's another in him. There's another in him you need to know. That Jesus became sin, so we become the righteous of God in him, now, I want to read this out of the Living Bible to understand what that's saying. It says this, For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. When we got born again, God took all of that old sin nature, all the loser, all the whiner, all the wimp, all the stupid, he poured it into Jesus, and Jesus became sin for us. And then all the good, all the righteous, everything that Jesus had, he poured it into our spirit. And so our spirit used to be lost. I'm coming to a point right now, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to watch your face. I'm going to find out who's religious in here. Because there's some of you have heard what I'm getting ready to say so often that you believe it. But what I'm getting ready to tell you that religious people say is true, that that means this verse here is not true. I believe this verse right here. How many hear preachers, not preachers in my network, but how many hear preachers on a regular basis say, well, you know, we're just a bunch of old sinners, every one of us, we're all sinners. And all I say every time I hear preachers say that is, why don't you get saved then? I'm a new creature in Christ. I was a sinner. But I've been saved by grace. Amen. Amen. I've been saved by grace. See, that's scripturally correct when you say, I was an old sinner, but I've been saved by grace. Now I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I've got a new spirit. Amen. 
The greater one in me is not a sinner. He's Jesus. Amen. He became sin. He took the curse. He took my judgment. He was raised from the dead righteous. He lives in me. And so, you know, I don't care how many preachers that don't understand the Bible want to keep on telling everybody, well, you know, we're just a bunch of old sinners. They say that. I just stare at them. I'm around people that aren't under my authority. And I'm ready to believe talk and say, well, you know, we're all old sinners. I just stare at it. Don't say that. And in my breath, I say, well, you might be an old sinner, but I'm not. I was an old sinner, but I got bored again. I want to tell you, see, it says, in Him. We're the righteous of God in Him. Now, on the outside, I might still act ugly sometimes. I might still sometimes fall for stuff on the outside, but the one on the inside didn't fall for it. I just didn't let him speak up. Hallelujah. Katie, I'm glad to be back. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not sitting up here like a vegetable anymore this year. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. But you know what? That's because the greater one is in me. I kept him activated all year long last year. Even when I couldn't function, my words stayed right about who I was, what I had what I could do, what he'd done for me, who he was in me, kept that activated, and eventually, eventually it knocked cancer out. Had the dumb stuff. Amen? Amen. And so I didn't, I didn't keep saying what I had. I kept saying what the Word said about my life and about my health. Well, was it easy? Man, most of you saw me last year. It wasn't easy. But I know on the inside of me what to do and what to say because I had myself trained. So I did that. So where you are, you've got to keep saying what God says about you if you want it to come to pass in your life. If you want it to come to pass. So anyway, you need to confess that you're righteous because Jesus is your righteousness. You've changed. Now I want you to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And can I, can I tell you a secret about this? This is not one of those things like a microwave deal where you heat it up, put it on two minutes, and you think it's done. This is something you do every day of your life. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a lifestyle where you all the time, you just say things the Bible says about you. And I want to say something. You're not going to get, a, to get that off some rosy little saying off some Facebook Bible app. I'm not knocking your Facebook Bible apps. I'm not knocking that. But I'll tell you what, rosy little sayings aren't going to change you. It's you getting these scriptures, speaking them first person over your life, and let those begin to come out of your mouth on a regular basis over and over and over and over again. You know, I'm looking at the Joseph thing about military people. You know, we got a lot of military people and things in the church like that. But I think about training exercises before they go overseas. Training exercises. Over and over and over and over and over and over. They practice warfare. So by the time they get over there, there's no thinking to it. They just do it. Well, how many know we're in a spiritual warfare? If you have to stop and think, well, what did the preacher say? You're going to lose the battle. Because it really doesn't make any difference what the preacher said if you don't start doing it yourself. These are spiritual exercises for the warfare you're in. Romans 5, verse 5 says this. 
And hope makes not ashamed because here's another uh, thing that's in you. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The love of God has been poured into our hearts. Remember, all things are of God. We've been born again and all things are of Him. We have the love nature of God. That divine nature and ability to love like God loves. You can love and forgive others because agape, that word love there is agape. And you know, a lot of Christians like to talk about unconditional love God has, unconditional love God has. But why you start talking about you got it? Says that love is in our hearts. I forgive anybody for anything because I have God's love. God forgives anybody for anything and everybody for everything. I can do it. I can forgive like Jesus forgives. I can forget who wronged me like Jesus forgets who wronged him. I can forget those things because I have a agape in me. you got to begin to get a hold of Romans 5.5 5 and confess it every day. I've got the love of God in my heart. I've got the love of God in my heart. I've got the love of God in my heart. I've got the love of God in my heart. I can love and I can forget. Somebody says, well, I can forgive, but I never forget. Well, God went so far to say he's thrown my sins as far as the east is from the west. He threw my sins and my transgressions into the sea of forgetfulness. God forgave me, and I forget. And so if I have his love, that communication of my faith may become effectual by the knowledge of every good thing that's in me, in Christ Jesus. Isn't God's love a good thing? Is it in your born-again spirit? Now I want to say something that get a hold of this. You have to know the difference between your head and your heart. I did not get born again in my head. Born again is instantaneous. It's a microsecond. It's instantaneous. It's quick. Born again happens as soon as you pray. Woo! You're changed. But then he said, be transformed by renewing your mind. That's a process. You get, you got to train your mind with the Word of God so if somebody wrongs you, that old man wants to rise up and say, well, huh, I'll take care of that. I don't get mad, I get even. I'll show them. Just wait till the next time. I'll show them. Well, that's the old man, that's the head talking. The heart says, you can't steal from me, I'll just give it to you. I learned that off Brother Cole. Copeland, <laughs> about the first year I was saved, Brother Copeland said, my faith walk is not worth getting mad over somebody stealing some stupid little thing from me. He said, somebody tries to steal from me, I say, man, you can't steal from me. I gave it to you. Because I give, it's given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I'll tell you something else I learned by my own experience. Man, probably 36, 38 years ago, I really... Don't loan money to believers. If I can't afford to give it, I don't mess with it. Because I found out early in my Christian walk, if I borrow money off a fellow believer and I can't pay it, it really hinders our walk. Or somebody borrows something off me and tells me they'll pay it back next week. And then next week I'm on the bottom of the list for paybacks. All of a sudden we don't have our fellowship anymore. And so I learned a long time ago that I'm a giver. I'm a giver, I'm a giver. Why is that? Because i got the love of God in my heart. So, you know, if you want to borrow, borrow something from me, unless it's, we have a very special relationship, 
most of the time I said, man, I, 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 I can't loan that to you, but I'll give it to you. How much do you need? That okay? I give them a $100 bill or whatever it is. They say, man, here, just take it. You don't have to pay me back. And they say, man, I really want to. I'll say, okay, listen, there's no strings attached. You get on your feet. You ever want to, you can, but you don't have to. You know, that's just totally up to you. It's between you and God. But I gave that to you as a gift. Amen. And why am I saying that? Because that's the love of God in my heart. I don't want our relationship to be hindered on something stupid like money. Or some tool. Or some other dumb thing. Amen. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. Have <laughs> I got you thinking? Are you thinking? You need to confess you have the love of God in your heart. You can forgive like Jesus forgives. You can love like Jesus loves. You can do that. Why is that? Your head can't do it, but your heart can. And so you know what you have to do? I, I remember when I first got saved. I would sometimes stand in front of the mirror. I'd talk to myself, and when things were going on, I'd look at me in the mirror. And I'd say, I'm speaking to you, phony man on the outside. You're not going to control me. There'd be something I was getting ready to go to my job and face. I'd look at the guy in the mirror. I really did this. I'd say, shut up. You're not getting in the way. I'm going in there. I'm not afraid. If I had to go to the boss's office or whatever it was, I'd say, God didn't give me the spirit of fear, hard love, and a sound mind. I'm going in there today, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm going in there. I'm going to hold my head up high. And I'll tell you what, uh, on the inside, I may have been shaking and quivering. I let the inside guy inside this physical body rise up and do what I had to do. And I told that guy on the outside, you don't control me anymore. Amen. I'm not a loser anymore. Amen. The greater one's in me. We're going to get this done. You have to do things like that. Take authority over things. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've given you just a few verses that are real to me that I live by. And if you'll start doing this, and if you'll start talking right about the new you, what are you saying about the new you? If you'll start talking right about the real you, you'll start seeing victory show up. And so Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I am, or Greek says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So he said, I died, but now I'm still alive because I've lived this physical body. Yet not I. Now look at this. The Christ, the anointed one as anointing, liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. And that's talking about your earth suit. The life which I now live in my earth suit, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I put red under that. I put yellow through that. I live my life in this flesh by the faith of the Son of God. I've got the faith of Jesus Christ in my spirit. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so you have mountain-moving faith in your spirit. I have God's DNA. I have God's love in my spirit. I have God's faith in my spirit. I've got God's faith. There's nothing impossible to me because I live by the faith of the Son of God. If I have to walk on water, I will. Why is that? Because I live by the faith of the Son of God. He did, and if I have to, I will. Amen. If I have to fast 40 days, I will. 
Why is that? Because Jesus did what he had to. Whatever it is I need to do, I can do, because I'm not relying upon peanut brain faith. I'm not relying on natural faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I want to remind you, our starting text, Philemon 1.6, for the communication of your faith become effective, you've got to begin to confess every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Isn't the faith of Jesus Christ in you good? You need to begin to confess that you have the faith of God on the inside of you. Instead of confessing lack of faith, confess you have more than enough faith because you've got the faith of the Son of God to work for Jesus. And it's in me. And I've got it. I would never say, I don't have faith for that. You know, there might be a point where my faith level's low, but I've got it. And like my gas gauge in my car, my gas may be getting low, so what do I do if my gas gets low? Man, I stop and I fill it up. What do I do if my faith level starts to get low? I get on my knees, I get in my prayer closet, I open my Bible, I begin to read the Word of God out loud, and Jude 20 says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, I'll crank it up a level in my tongue praying. To pray in the Holy Ghost is to pray in tongues. I'll begin to pray in tongues more. Why is that? I've got the faith. I need to stir it up. I've got the faith. I need to build it up. And so I begin to do what it takes to do that. You know, that'd be, that'd be stupid. Sitting in a new car on the side of the road and say, oh, I'm just so afraid. Uh, my, my, my warning light came on and said, I got to get gas. I'm going to run out of gas. I don't want to move. Why don't you want to move? My warning light's on. But why don't you move slow enough to get to the gas station two miles up the road in that exit and fill it up again? Don't just sit still and cry because your warning light's on. Pastor, you lay hands on me. I'm, I, I don't have any faith. Faith doesn't come by laying on hands. Faith cometh by hearing. I can stir you up and lay hands on you, but you're the only one can build it up. And so I live by the faith of the Son of God you need to start confessing. I've got mountain-moving faith. I've got the faith of Jesus in me. I've got God's faith. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.16. Are these verses speaking to your hearts? Are they moving you a little bit, stirring you up a little bit? Well, like that song we sang, you need to start saying these words out loud. That song would be a good song to start singing. It'll build you up. But find out where these verses are in your Bible. And start confessing them. First Corinthians chapter two, verse sixteen. Chapter two, verse sixteen. Now this here is such a key verse. I'm going to explain it a little bit, and I pray in Jesus' name you get the revelation of it. True for who hath known the mind of the Lord they may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Now, people try to figure that out from a natural, from a natural aspect. But let me tell you from the spiritual aspect. Christ was not Jesus' last name. That Messiah, the anointed one, is anointing. It's a spiritual thing. The Messiah is a spiritual office. The anointed one and his anointing. I have the mind of the anointed one and his anointing. Now, my mind, my physical mind, my natural mind is the same as it always was, except for information put in my mind. But the mind of Christ is a spiritual thing for your spiritual man. And so that means this. You're not dumb. You're not an idiot. 
Somebody may have more education than you, but when you begin to operate under the influence of the mind of Christ, things will come out of your mouth that astounds you. Think, where did that come from? That's the mind of Christ in you. Begin to speak out. You know, uh, I, well, I know Dave experiences this. I do working on things. Anybody's here, Mike does. Uh, anybody does mechanical things. You're working on something, fixing something, and you don't have to figure it out. You prayed, and all of a sudden, you know exactly what to do. The mind of Christ showed you what to do. All of a sudden, you realize if you're people like Mike and I are, I don't know if Dave's is where or not, you save old parts and nuts and bolts and know where things are. You're working on something, all of a sudden, I know that myself, I've got things and parts, you know, stored. All of a sudden, I remember, oh, wait a minute, I remember back in Indiana when I had such such a car. I knew that was a perfectly good part, and I saved that. I don't know where it's at. And you go get it, and you pull it out, and you put it on this car that's 20, 30 years newer, and that part fits. It goes right where you want it to go. Or little parts and bolts and nuts and things. Or you may be trying to solve a problem in life. And all of a sudden, something comes out of you. The wisdom of God just pours out. You think, wow, that is so amazing. That wasn't your natural mind that conjured that up. That's the mind of Christ that kicked in. But you know what? The more you confess, quit calling yourself stupid. There may be some natural things you're ignorant of. The difference between ignorant and stupid. Ignorant means lack of knowledge. You just don't have knowledge in it. So if you need some knowledge and some natural things, buy a book. Go to school. Sit under somebody that's going to tutor you and show you how to learn those things, but the mind of Christ is a spiritual thing. As a pastor, man, I could not operate without the mind of Christ and helping people. You know, people come into my office, or we meet somewhere, sit down because of a major crisis they're facing. And before I get there, I begin to pray. I say, Lord, I want to thank you. I've got the mind of Christ. I've got the wisdom of good of God. And you sit down and talk, and all of a sudden, they're talking, and they just talk a few minutes, and all of a sudden, man, I just get a grin on this side of me, man. There it is. And I got the answer, and I open my mouth, and things come out, and all of a sudden, something that was earth-shattering to them is gone because I gave them the answer from God, because it's the mind of Christ. And what am I talking about? I want to say this again. I see you get this. This is not just a good lesson I'm preaching tonight. That the communication of your faith become effective for you. You've got to confess for you. I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of God. And I think about James chapter 1, verse 5. says that if any man, any person lacks knowledge, lacks wisdom, ask of God, that gives it to all men liberally. And so when you pray for the wisdom of God, you're praying for the plan of God. And so I know that when I'm facing crisis in life, somebody asks me, well, what are you guys going to do about that? Here's the way I respond. Well, right now my head doesn't know what I'm going to do, but I pray for the wisdom of God, and by the time I've got to do it, I'll know, because I've got the wisdom of God, because he told me in James 1, 5, to ask for it. So by the time that day comes, I'll know what to do. But as far as my head goes, my head's totally empty on that right now, but my heart's going to know when it's time. Amen. Amen. And so, how many people in here are just born losers, you're idiots, you're dumb, you're stupid, can't do anything right? Busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. No, 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 no. You've got the mind of Christ. Second Timothy 1.7. Need to look at this verse. Second Timothy 1.7. We've quoted it a lot today in the song we sang. 
in things I've spoken about tonight. But you've got to see this with your own eyes in the Bible. You need to start marking these places, going back and looking at them over and over and over and over again. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given, my Bible says us, but I always say me. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power. I've got the spirit of power. I've got the spirit of love. I got the spirit of a sound mind, of a sound mind. Alzheimer's will never show up in this body. Senile will never show up here. Dementia will never show up here. Why is that? Because my faith is affected as I'm confessing what the Bible says about me. I have a sound mind. I'm going to keep my sound mind. I'm going to live to a ripe old age with a sound mind. I'm never going to be senile. Well, you you know the worst thing about growing up? Uh, I can't remember. I'll never say that. Amen. It's a challenge as we get older to make some things work right, but the Word of God calls them to work right when we work the Word. You know, don't ever confess, I'm losing my memory. Don't ever say that. Don't ever confess bad things about your mind, about your memory. In the natural, as we get older, our bodies changes, different things start working different, but our spirit, our spirit, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says that our spirit man is renewed day by day. Day by day, on the inside, we're renewed. And our mouth is what keeps the inside showing up on the outside. And so God did not give us the spirit of fear. You need to confess that for you. You don't need to be afraid. When fear comes on you about anything in life you're facing, you just say, fear, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I do not have fear because God did not give me the spirit of fear. 1 John 4, 4. I just want to look at these as we're closing up because we've pulled them over and over again. But you need to see them with your eyes. 1 John 4, 4. says, you are of God, little children, and I've overcome them. That's the things that try to destroy you. That's the demon spirits that try to destroy your life. It says, I've overcome them because greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. There's another in you. In you than he that is in the world. We're overcomers of everything in life. And so you can overcome. Now listen to this. You can... You can overcome everything that life or the devil throws at you because God in you is greater than any attack of the enemy. You've got to say that over and over and over again till it becomes second nature to recognize that greater is he that's in me than cancer that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than lies that are in the world. Greater is he that's in me than fear that tries to attack me. Greater is he that's in me than lack of a job. Greater sense in me than whatever it is you're facing. Start confessing the greater one that's in you. You're an overcomer, it says, because the greater one's in you. And Philippians 4.13, we'll close here. Philippians 4.13, I think this is one of the first verses I learned that helped me to win in life. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now let me tell you that verse there. I think I'd have to look to the new translations, but they probably the new translation probably burger that one up. 
I questioned the Lord on that after I'd been born again a few years. I thought, why did you say I can do all things through Christ? Why did you say which instead of who? Because I'm talking about who. It doesn't say through Jesus. It says through Christ. Christ means the anointed one is anointing. I can do all things through the anointed one is anointing. And the anointing is a which, not a who. Which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ, his anointing, which strengthens me. Amen. I can do all things through Jesus too. But the anointing gives you strength to do anything you've got to do. I can preach through the anointing one is anointing, which strengthens me to preach. I can minister to goofed up marriages through the anointing one is anointing, which strengthens me. I can face the boss on the job through the anointing one is anointing, which strengthens me. One story, real quick. Said we're going to close, but I saw that. I got a flashback to about probably 35 years ago. Back in the early 80s, trucking, Teamsters trucking, trucking jobs in America were really hit, really hit bad. They called deregulation took effect, and it caused a lot of jobs to leave. And so anyway, on the trucking job I was at, uh, they'd laid off a bunch of people, and I got bumped to the midnight shift. And so a lot of our terminals, our places were closing down, and when they were closing down, that put a lot of work on us, and they laid off people, but gave us more work to laid off people. And so a lot of the guys, what they did, they would cut corners of what they was doing and do the job halfway. So I was on the midnight shift with just three or four other guys, and I had this marijuana-smoking dopey boss, and that's what he did. He hid the back room smoked dope when he was supposed to be working, but he was the boss. And so had dopey guys I worked with, sinners, that they were drinkers and dopers. And so I was a very serious Christian, determined to do my job right in the eyes of the Lord because he said, do our work hardly as unto the Lord, not to man. And so, anyway, they were trying so much to cut corners. We had these Mack trucks, and uh, we didn't have a regular guy go out to go fill them because they laid them off, so we all had to take turns forever to go out there. And so also, they had part of the lights cut back, so you had to do this in the dark, and we're supposed to check the oil in them because if diesels run out of oil, you can blow the engine. And so I would go out there in the dark, and because these other guys wasn't doing their job, I would have to, in the dark, while I was filling this truck, I would crawl up in the dark of the engine. We didn't have cell phone lights or anything. I never carried flashlights. Maybe that would have been smart. But anyway, when I went out there, I would crawl up on the tire and reach over this engine. I'd feel for the dipstick in the dark. And then I would wipe it off as the moon was shining. I'd walk over to get some light. I'd look at it. And if it was low on oil, which a lot of the trucks were two or three gallons low on oil because nobody was checking it because they were just, nobody wanted to do that in the dark. And they wanted to stay moving to try to do their other job. So I'd check them. A lot of times these trucks were low on oil. These guys would run out in the dark. They'd put a fuel hose in it. They'd put diesel in it. They'd run back up. I'd go out there in the dark. I'd have to find it. And then we had this old hand pump on a 55-gallon drum. And it was cold. And Dave, Mike, guys, know what that's like. I had this crank. I had to crank this thing. And the, and all gets real thick when it's real cold. I would crank and crank and crank. And it was like syrup. And it was dark. And then I'd go up to the truck again after I got a gallon of oil, and I'd fill around the dark for the spout. I'd have to stick it under there, and I'd just hold it. And when the can got lighter, finally I'd know that's enough, but then I'd need another gallon. So I'd go that side. I'd end up being out there a half hour to take care of the truck right. And so, anyway, just things like that. I was doing my job, and one night this marijuana smoking dope called me into the office and said, you're not doing your job. I said, what are you talking about? 
He said, these other guys go out there, and they're right back up. said, what are you doing out there for a half hour? And they talked about some other things. I was doing the job right to make up their work. And I, I, just, looked him, I just looked him in the eye. And I said, I'm not even going to say his name. Who knows me? That guy's just on the Internet. I said, I said, I want to tell you something. And they knew I was a serious Christian. I wasn't doing goofy stuff. I wasn't phony. I was real. And so I looked him in the eye. I said, I want to tell you something. These other guys aren't doing their job because they're afraid of you. I said, I'm not afraid of you. I serve Jesus. And I said, I want this company to stay in business because this company is my livelihood. I said, whatever diesel engines cost at the time, somebody told me I forget what the number was, what the engine cost. I said, these guys go out there because it's nearly impossible to check oil in a truck. They don't do it. So by the time I fill the truck, nobody's checked it. It's real low. And so my conscience, my conscience would not allow me to be responsible for blowing that engine. And so I take the time to put oil in that truck to make sure that truck lasts because the little extra time I'm out there, you're paying me compared to buying a whole new engine for this fleet. I said, there's, there's no comparison. And so I gave him a couple of other examples about things I was doing my job where they wasn't, and he started crying. <laughs> and I said, well, I ended up, I know what, what the breaker was. I said, I want to tell you something. I've done this to please Jesus, and I'm pleased to Jesus. And if you don't like the way I'm doing it, you better talk to him. But because I wasn't a hypocrite, a phony Christian, I lived it all the time. He knew I was telling the truth. He started crying. He said, I know you're right, Bertie. Go on back out there. Keep doing a good job. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is this. I can, through Christ, which strengthens me, speak the truth in love to a boss, to an enemy, to a friend, or whoever it is. I'm not afraid. I can speak the truth. I can stand up for what's right because Christ strengthens me. I'm not afraid anymore. I can do anything and everything because the greater one in me and there's nothing impossible to me because greater is he in me than he is in the world. So I want to say this one more time. The title of my lesson the Lord gave me was this. What are you saying about the new you? Are you bad-mouthing who you are now? Are you saying what God says? I promise you upon the authority of God's word, if you will change, start watching yourself every day. If you'll change what you're saying, you'll change what you're having. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.